2029. Welcome to 2023, everyone. It's a relevant podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, the Derek Miner. Hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Guys, we did it. We did it. We did it. Another year. Wow. Another year in the books and another one off to a great start. <laughs> Remember when you were a kid and you're like, I don't want to leave the year. And now as an adult, you're like, let's come on 2023. Let's do this. Yeah. Why is it now every year we look back on like, well, at least that one's over. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? like, Ever since about 2016, it's been one of those like, yeah, okay, well, next exactly. year's going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we hit bottom, right? Like it bottomed out. Take us back a few years, Cameron, maybe 2014. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, but I'm stoked about this year. Why? Look, I mean, here's the thing. I've We're already getting, I don't know about you guys. I already set some resolutions and I'm doing something different this year. Oh, for. I can't wait to hear. Well, Where okay. usually you come in, usually you come in hot. Yeah. Right? You come in hot from the new year. You got a long list of just stuff you want to correct. The great thing about resolutions, it's like I could stop eating sugar at any point. Right. But setting a resolutions really allows me to binge the last week of December. <laughs> exactly and right. in my mind, in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting out of a system. It's basically like in the movies from like the 1960s when a kid would, you know, their parents would catch them like behind the garage smoking a cigarette and as a punishment, they would make him smoke a whole case and get sick and never want to do it again. That's my been my mindset for the last week of December of like, <laughs> all right, all the sweets, all the the cakes and, and everything. I'm gonna I'm gonna gorge myself because one, I'm I'm clean cleansing the system and come January and I'm just it hasn't it didn't work. It just made me more addicted. And now I'm just the sugar crash is really devastating my insulin levels. <laughs> this year I've decided to sandbag a couple resolutions, wow. right? Because the Just problem, to kind of feel good that you're that you're knocking them off the list, you're you're succeeding. Exactly. Like, yeah. okay. Exactly. It's like I want to come into 2023. I want to I, I want to start this year and I want to I want I want my eyes to feel very rested. I'm I'm this is a whole body, you know, I'm gonna be working out, I'm gonna be eating no sugar, I'm gonna and my eyes are gonna be the best they ever again. Cause I've decided reading no books in January. <laughs> it's gonna be almost a reading free month. I've resolved. You know, that's the key is just a couple sandbags in there to, to keep the spirits that's up. That's true. You so know? you're like the exact opposite. Got it. Yeah, I got you. It makes sense. So then that way. If you mess up on the other ones, you can at least say you achieved something, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. It, it, exactly. No one want, No one wants to start off the year feeling like a failure. Mm -hmm. At least you're like, well, I'll tell you this. I didn't even crack a book all of January. <laughs> so <laughs> say what you will about my resolve. Some people are like, okay, I'm gonna, uh -huh. I'm gonna make my bed every morning. Me, I'm go. just gonna mm -hmm. get out of bed yeah. every morning. There you go. I, I yeah. kept my resolution. Yeah. Got Starting out of bed. with the win will Perfect. help you throughout the rest of the I like year. It. So find something low, a low bar. That you're gonna hit. Okay, yes. I like it. Like what would Jamie, what would your what if you had to just using that strategy, what would a resolution be for you? Like the lowest bar possible would be like, oh, I'm gonna feed my children every day. Like, you know, like you already have to. So it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna make sure that and then by the end of January, I'm like done. Kill the resolutions. You Make, know? 
Mm-hmm. They're they're well fed and they're on their own for the rest of the year. <laughs> they can fend for themselves <laughs> right. when it comes to food. I I did my good deed and I resolved to do I it. Took so care of my kids for a month. I want to hear Derek's low bar. I'm going to stay on social media for hours at a time. On social media for hours. Because <laughs> <laughs> it helps hours, you be informed. I'm just going to. I want to be informed, right. I want to be informed. I want to know what's trending so that I could be able to, you know, build my business, gauge my culture, understand what's going on. In all seriousness, do you guys make New Year's resolutions? And did you make one this year? I've given up. Given up. I don't. I've given up. No. I was just saying, because of what Jesse said earlier, it's like, why wait till January? Like, if there's something I want to change in my life, just do it when you have the idea. <laughs> like, don't like with this arbitrary thing. Yeah. I, I, in fact, like, uh, in early. And you're super disciplined, Cameron. Eh, I'm all in or all out. I'm either very okay, disciplined yeah. or very undisciplined. I'm not, I cannot do managing balance very well. I am all in or all out. But so like in early December, I was like, man, I've gotten too fat. So I went to my doctor, met with my nutritionist and she, she, she was like, why do you want to start now? Why don't you just do it after the holidays? And I was like, why do I want to get fatter? Like, let me just start now. So it's like, well, you know, so I've been eating healthy for a couple of weeks at this point. I got a head start on all the resolution people. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's me. It's like, I don't do it arbitrarily in January. It's just whenever, but Jesse, do you? Well, I mean, I'll set like micro goals for like a week or two, mm-hmm. you know, I got to live my life. Okay. Like life, life, you get so many spins around the sun, you know, how many do you want to spend deprived of things you enjoy? Right. Like, you know, Cameron, you go all in or all out. Mm-hmm. I really try for that moderation because if I'm all in on some terrible diet or something or, or sleep routine that I just hate, like I know it's good for me to go to bed early and to wake up early and not rush out the door. I get it. It's better for me just as a human. But I like staying up late and I like sleeping in and I don't want to live my life doing things just to deprive myself of basic things of enjoyment. So I could try to pepper in, you know, I'll go a couple of days doing this and that, but I'm not a big like, you know, overhaul everything. I see, don't know. I just feel like see, I'm the opposite because I, I'm like, I'm like, think like me with eating or whatever. It's like, OK, I can drop if I'm super aggressive and I'm doing it really intentionally with my nutritionist and doctor, I can drop 40 pounds in like a few months. And then slowly yeah. over the next three years, I just enjoy life and gain it all back and then I'll drop it again. And so it's like I, I like the and bursts of discipline and then I don't have to have discipline all the other times, you know. So anyway, teach his own. Yeah, that's like if I'm I'll I'll go to the gym, but immediately when I get home, I'm going to offset it by eating pizza. And I just try to maintain the balance. You think you deserve it. You're like, Like, I just worked out so I can do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what that's what I'm talking about. Like if I'm just like, I'm just going to work out and not and not have any fun and not go out and not eat pizza and not do other things I like. Well, guess what? That's no that I don't enjoy that, Mm. but I will earn the things that my fun stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's all I'm it's saying. It's crazy because yeah. I think me and Cameron are very similar and then you two are very similar to, to wifey. Mm-hmm. So that makes some very, because my wife is like, she'll go to the gym and then when she get back, she's like, all right, bet. You know, she makes <laughs> desserts as well. She's a, she's a baker. So she's like, all right, cool. I'm making these cupcakes. And she just made cupcakes for the whole house. And then I'm trying to be like Cameron and I'm trying <laughs> to be like mad. This was, so it, it's almost like, listen, y'all, I'm about to tell y'all right now, look, everybody that's out there that if you want to be fit up 
it to a certain age or whatever, don't marry somebody that can cook. That's I'm just going to tell y'all that now. <laughs> just don't do it. Because my, well. my wife is like, yo, when I say she can cook, she like can cook, cook. So it's yeah. like, man, I, you come in the house and she's like, hey, I just made these cheesecake, brownie, rice crispy treat uh, pies that I'm trying out for our new desserts for the restaurant. And, and, and I'm like... And what am I supposed to do with this? Oh, just take a little nibble. And mm-hmm. before that, it's like I'm just face first in all of the sugar. Yeah. Like so That's just same way over here, know. Derek. Yeah. Same way. Aaron cooks, and I'm like, babe, I'm eating chicken and veggies. That's it. Chicken, <laughs> breast, grilled, and some steamed yep. veggies. That's all I want this week. And I come That's home and it's like curry simmering. And then we've got, oh, I've got these enchiladas I made. And what are you supposed to do? You got to eat it. You don't want to be rude to the chef. But I'm it's like one of those you. internet stories you stumble on every once in a while. And it's like some 90 year old guy, you know, who's like passed away and secretly has squirreled away like $15 million, some huge fortune. <laughs> and it's like he worked to the last day of his life. And drove the same truck and wore the same jeans since 1974. <laughs> he was so frugal, but he squirrel. And it's like, well, what was the point, man? Right, like, right, right. Upgrade the right. Dream- the jeans, homie. You squirreled away right. 15 million dollars. Now you're dead. Now you're dead. Now who cares? Right, like right. you could have yep. you could have upgraded that that pickup. Yep. You know, yep. that's all I'm saying. You got to live your life. I read that exact story, Jesse, last week, and it was a, an old man who hadn't died yet, but he was in his late 80s or something like that. And he worked as yeah. a janitor at a school his whole life. And he saved like a couple of million dollars in what he and he lived the way you're talking about. And the, what he did is before he passed away, he paid for college tuition for an entire class at the school he was the janitor at. Oh my God. Scott Stotts. He's Scott Stotts did. And, and I look, and so mad, it's like, respect, okay. mad respect. Mad respect. So that's what respect. his mindset was. I want to be frugal to bless others he one day. He wants to help other people. I'm, right. I'm just saying, you can still do that. <laughs> but, but, but maybe, but you could have retired, my, my dude, and, and, and just <laughs> put in a hedge fund or something. Like, I'm just saying, there's a way. I some ice cream every that, once that, in a while. You don't have to, yeah, self, you know, have to deny yourself of memories. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I, that's how I justify when I'm eating a pizza at midnight. Just letting y'all know. And this is why I'll make resolutions. Like, because I already know I'm going to make this fitness resolution and she's going to hear this podcast and she's going to make that exact thing that I said to make. (laughs) And she's going to be like, hey, how about you try it? Like I, at one point in time when we first got married, I used to get angry because I thought she was sabotaging me. But then I realized that she just wants to live a happy life. Yeah. And actually the beauty, the That's beauty cool. of that is that actually helped me start living a more happy life. Cause I would, I would definitely be the janitor guy who saved up a couple million dollars and then I'm about to die. And I'm like, Oh, what do I do with the money? I guess I'll just put some kids through college. Like that's yeah, that's me. So I mean, it's well, a beautiful it, thing. It, look, okay, here's here's my 2023 thing. And real, this is real talk, Cameron. I feel like you're you're someone who's good at this. You seize experiences that and opportunities that come your way, hundred mm-hmm. percent, right? Mm-hmm. Because seize the day, carpe diem. If you if you read, you know, if you hear any of these interviews with somebody who's like super super successful, right? The, the the Steve Jobs, the 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 Billy, you know, like the people who really grinded and, and did big things. Most of them say the same thing when they're asked, you know, hey, what would you have done differently? Or if you told your 30-year-old self or your 40-year-old self, what, you know, give them piece of advice. Most of them would have said, hey, take that trip. Mm-hmm. Take a day off and go hang mm-hmm. with the family. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, ease up on yourself. Take the foot off the gas here and there. Oh, you know, 
most of them all say the same thing. I'm just heeding their advice by <laughs> trying to take time off. I like it. And not work as hard. I like it. I'm, with it. I'm, I'm like, I'm listening to Steve Jobs here, okay? Just lay off. That's why I'm taking the day off and eating pizza at three so, o'clock in the morning. So your so, New Year's resolution is live, seize the day more often. Lazier. Work lazier. less. <laughs> yeah, work less. Got it. More vacation. Get lazier. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like I want it. it. I'm just listening I to the business it. masters, you know? Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to one of our favorite favorite pastor, author, speakers, Derwin Gray joins us. Um, in, in New Year, uh, we talk about some good stuff that we should maybe aspire to in this year. So yeah, don't miss that. Also, at the end of the show, we have a game that we've never done before. It's a look back, but it's not a look back at 2022. I, it's an audio experience, an extravaganza. You don't want to miss it. That's coming up at the end of the show. You don't want to miss that. All right, but stay tuned. Right now, up next, it's Slices. Listening to Jordana, the song is S Y T, and yes, at the beginning of that break, I did say audio extravaganza. If that doesn't keep you tuned in, I don't know what will. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing, did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for the very first edition, the 2023 edition of... Slices. What do you have, Jesse? Guys, big changes are coming. And I'm actually kind of mixed on this one, okay? Um... Uh, Netflix, well, well, first off, the whole entertainment industry is kind of, you know, the business model has really been rattled. Right. Right. People aren't going to the movies anymore. You know, people don't know really what the advertising models are. You know, all these corporate, all these like big, there's all these big mergers, companies like Disney, you know, who traditionally have just been cash machines. Their stock is plunging. Everyone's figuring out try to ways, everyone's trying to figure out ways to, to fix the business model because it's pretty broken. Mm-hmm. Well, Netflix is going to be instituting some big changes this year, mainly when it comes to password sharing. Now, how it, how it works is right now, they haven't really cared about password sharing. And early on in their services days, they actually kind of passively like encouraged it. You know, they were when asked directly about it, Ted Sarandos kind of shrugged his shoulders and, you know, didn't really vocally oppose it. He sort of had a plausible deniability with his approval, with their approval of it, but they also didn't actively discourage it. Well, well, times are changing. There's like a tweet in 2018 from Netflix that said something like, uh, saying I love you is sharing your password or something like that. Mm. It was like, Netflix was absolutely encouraging it three years ago. Yeah. And, and, And that was a time when it was sort of an arms race to see how many, how many, you know, kind of, 
even if they weren't subscribers, how many people are following yeah. your content and how right. many people are interested in it and would be willing to pay for it down the road? Well, 2023 is here and so are some changes on Netflix. Yikes. This is the year where they're cracking down on password sharing. And how they're going to do it is they are going to ask like the primary account holders uh, to, there's going to be like a verification code that will be sent out um, if someone outside, I guess, the, your IP address or however they mm -hmm. determine a certain number of devices at a location, you'll have to use a verification code to give that person permission and likely soon uh, will be charged more or, or there will be an additional tier to be able to share your password. Now, I like, I share my password, okay? And I'm a beneficiary of shared passwords on other platforms. I am pro-password sharing up to this point. But I will say this. It does get you out of a couple awkward scenarios. And can I run them by you really quick? Because, <laughs> yes, please. Run them. I share my password with some family members for, for some services. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there is a functionality where if they're watching, you're watching, and a kid's watching on an iPad or something, you get kicked out. It's an awkward text to send to someone who you're sharing your password with to ask them to stop watching a show, right? And it, it's a terrible... I've been in that situation several times where I am locked out because I've shared it with too many people and they're all watching. And I'm like, well, I got to find something else to watch, I guess, because <laughs> I don't want... I would rather... Yeah, you're non-confrontational. Yeah, yeah. I would not send the text to be like, hey, man, I really... Want to catch up on this Pepsi documentary about the Harrier jet? Would you mind shutting down Coco Melon for my niece or whatever? It's not my niece, but you, you get it. Like, I don't want to be put in that position. So it saves you that. But the main thing it saves from, and this is a scenario, I may have brought this up before in the pod. I can't remember. But I find myself in this situation. I've been on both sides of this situation. It's the Airbnb situation. Yeah. Right? You see this at hotels too. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Let, let's, let's, mm -hmm. we have to talk about this. Yeah. Okay. You go to Airbnb and it's night one. Everyone's settled in. He had a great first day at wherever you are. Time to time for a little Netflix. Just kind of hang out. You turn it on and you notice that the previous guest is logged in and you, you see their icon. You see their whole families, all their little uh -huh. icons. Now you have the option there. One, to, on a lot of devices, I don't know if you guys realize this, it's not easy to log out of Netflix. Um, the interface makes it challenging sometimes to, to log out. One, you have to log out. Two, you got to use that terrible remote that has no like keypad on it. And you got to use the arrow to punch in your old email, your email address and remember your Netflix password, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then you got to remember to log out at the end of the week. It's a whole thing, especially using the remote. I hate using the little arrows on, on right. half these TVs. The other option is you just, you just, hey, I'll pop in under Uncle Fred. It doesn't seem like he's watched it. I've been browsing all of, I've been looking at whatever they've been watching. He hasn't watched the latest episode in like two weeks. If I just sneak in and watch my show under Uncle Fred's profile, how long will it be till Uncle Fred even notices? And will he even care? Now, having been on the other side, having been left the TV logged in <laughs> on, it's extremely violating when you go into your recent <laughs> views and yeah. it's like, wait, wait a minute. I, I don't, I don't watch Selling Sunset. What is this? Who is this person? <laughs> First of all, you that should. Watched it's four fantastic. episodes of Selling Sunset last night. <laughs> you, you feel extremely violated. You feel like someone went into your home and was just rifling yeah. through your things. That's true. But I've done it. I've yeah. done it. So for this reason, I'm pro the password share breakdown. Jamie, let's say you check into an Airbnb or hotel. You log on. It's someone else's Netflix. 
Do you go through the whole rigmarole of logging out and logging in, or are you Negative. just watching whatever? Are you going into their profile? And I'm watching? just watching whatever's available because listen, I probably don't even know the email. It's probably my husband's password. I have no idea what the password is, and so why would I put myself through all that? I'm, Netflix is on. I'm just going to watch it. Do you feel weird when no. you're in a stranger's profile watching Mm-mm. something? I feel like they should have taken it down if they didn't want me to use it. Derek, where are you at on this issue? <laughs> oh, oh, look, I, I'm watching. You, yeah. you you just pick a profile and look, then I'm yes, and I'm so happy that I didn't have to put my own Netflix mm-hmm. password, password in there so someone yep, could do absolutely. that to me. Yep. So yeah, mm-hmm. nah, yeah, definitely. I'm like, oh, thanks, thanks, but, Jesse. But you guys are saying this instantaneously. I am conflicted. 100%. I'm conflicted when I'm no, just not at viewing. all. Not at all. Not I have no all. conflict. It's like sometimes I'm viewing, I'm like, this person has terrible taste. Like this person likes the worst. But movie. usually I would just I'm already watching something, so I'm gonna try to just I'm just gonna type it in and yeah. for all I know, it could be the host of the air. Airbnb. That's how I right. rationalize it. Oh, so you know, like, maybe you the know host did that. You know it's not the host. No, I you don't. Know I don't it's know the that. Guest. I don't know that. I, because it doesn't I don't say. Know I don't Jesse, know I do have a question about the password sharing. So yeah. there's six people in my family. They have like yeah. devices and computers or older. They all use my our Netflix. Does that, like if Caden's at college, my son, and he's using my Netflix, is that a problem? Yes. It has to be the people in your home. It'll be the people in your home can use it unlimited. But if it's somebody not on your IP, somebody at college, they're going to get charged. So, so he's going to have to get his own Netflix. They're saying, no, they're saying, you know, they raise their prices like seventeen ninety nine or whatever. You know, they have now the ad supported cheaper tier. But what they're saying is that this won't be, it'll be like five bucks a month to share your password per person you're sharing oh, it with kind of a thing. Okay. So it'll be cheaper for him to just do that. But it's a way for them to monetize your son, you know, without yeah. having to make him get his own full account. So. It's happening. But it, it alleviates the Airbnb awkwardness, you know? And yeah. uh, to all the people that I've just creeped around and judged <laughs> your viewing habits, I'm sorry. See, I don't spend that much time looking at their viewing habits. I just look for my show and Oh, I in. do. Okay. Why? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like, Jamie. It's like, I'm looking for my show. Like, your your yeah, stuff's in the I'm way. I don't care what no, you're watching. No, I, I'm g- I, I have a whole image. I go into all of them. Every member of the family. <laughs> and then you try and to like make mind, up stories about <laughs> so weird i I just want to know who these people were that was sleeping in the same room i was so weird and and i in my mind i'm like okay well the dad really likes raunchy adam sandler films okay noted i kind of got i i'm getting a picture he likes he likes those like weird survival shows okay he's 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 you know got a little outdoor kick I see he went back to Sandler movies here. You know, <laughs> it looks like, you know, maybe too much time, what, Jesse, just dive in and watch. Yeah, your just show. watch your show. Who cares? You know, the, the wife is really into the studio McGee. She's heavy <laughs> into design stuff, you know, but yeah. she likes love is blind. She likes a little drama, you know, wonder how that dynamic is. She doesn't seem like a big Adam Sandler fan. I wonder, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, are they okay? Wonder, you know, I'm making whole scenarios about their marriage here. You know, do you and your wife have separate profiles? Oh yeah, oh. Jamie, you don't. Everybody, I have a separate profile. My wife has one, and my kids all have. How one. many can we you have? have because you know we have four kids, so they all have their profile, and then Aaron and I have one profile. I think you get five. Uh-uh. I I see, we're at max. Nah, uh-uh. Somebody's got to yeah. share at the Ivy House. It'd be one of the kids sharing because the last thing <laughs> I want to watch is Nigerian soap operas. My wife is addicted <laughs> to them joints. It's just crazy. Them joints got everything. They got magic. They got drama. It's everything. I walk, sometimes I just walk in that mug. I'm just like, yeah, I'm cool. Uh, I Just let me know when you're done here. And then that'll be that. But Aaron and I don't watch much TV separately. Like, we, I don't know why. We watch most TV together. 
So I guess it's okay. We don't we don't watch TV together at all. We will watch <laughs> movies together, not okay. TV. We watch TV together. My problem is my whole family's on the same because I got little kids, you know, uh, and it's a lot of like Lego and uh, you know Barbie and stuff. The pro- here's the issue: I had to make my own account because most of the stuff I watch with my wife or or we'll watch like Floors Lava together. We have like the family account, but I like to late night. I like to fire up some weird alien documentaries and stuff, you know. <laughs> and my poor seven year old daughter wakes up in the morning to fire up Barbie, and she gets a big <laughs> thumbnail of like an alien autopsy blasted her first thing. So I had to set up a separate account. Just for weird alien documentaries, <laughs> it's like a whole, it's a whole nother one. And, and, and to me, that's my personal joy of like logging into someone else's Netflix, knowing that I'm just gonna watch weird anime. So it's like whatever they're watching. Next thing you know, there's just gonna be a weird anime pop up at their house. I'm like, I'm happy to bless you. You know, with my Marvel movies and my weird anime. So that's, it's a joy. It's very violating. When I'm they wake up in the cheer. morning and they're like, <laughs> someone watched six hours of some weird anime and Nigerian soap operas on our account last night. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a massive violation. That happened to me. I, we did an Airbnb of a cabin and I was intentional to log out of our Netflix and everything, but I forgot about the downstairs TV. So when I got home, uh, like the next family started, I, I mean, it screwed up my algorithm for a month. Like the stuff that they were doing, I was trying to get rid of it. And it was like, yeah, never again. Can you go and log them off or you just have to live with it? No, nah, you can log them off. No. Yeah. You you can, you can kick off on the website. You can okay. kick off uh, locations. Okay. So, but then it's a whole thing. Then you got relogging everywhere. It's a, it's yeah, a it's whole a thing. thing. <laughs> just don't find, just, I, I think Netflix didn't really care about the profits. They're just like, we don't want any more awkward Airbnb scenarios for, for our customers. I agree. Too many people have suffered this indignity. We have to fix this. I agree. All right. What do you have, Derek? Um, there's a phenomena that's happening with, uh, travel nurses. So a lot of travel nurses during the, uh, pandemic, you know, obviously being a nurse was, I mean, we needed nurses heavy. Mm-hmm. Well, what's happened with a lot of these nurses that are travel nurses, they sign on with these big bonuses. And then what, or what would happen is now that we don't need as many travel nurses, their pay is getting cut in half. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy to think. And this day and age, like that's what we're 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 starting to see this recession kick in. And I'm really hoping that everybody right now that we're all batting down the hatches and making sure that we taking care of our finances. This is real personal to me because everyone knows I'm into finance and all those different things. And I've watched, you know, my wife have to shift jobs and a lot. I've seen a lot of people shifting jobs, but this is really alarming. Like how in the world can you sign someone on and then slash their pay like literally almost in half? There's and it's, it's this happening is a, to a, nurses or is it beyond that? Travel I mean, is it nurses. So specifically travel nurses. travel nurses, right? So like those nurses that would, where they would say, hey, come, we're contracting you out to come to, like if you live in Alabama, we're contracting you out to come to New York for it's a, a year. It's a great gig, yeah. It's a great gig, right? Yeah. Right, we're shorthanded. But what's problem is you get there and then you're, stuff is cut in half so there's people that have you know thought about you know buying houses they were making plans with that money first off i have no clue how you can do that i could tell someone you're paying somebody one number and then cutting it in half but it's happening and there's a a a lot of lawsuits that are happening um Hmm. because of this so Hmm. everybody's just hey 
we we're going into some heavy times financially, so make sure that you're saving up your little coins and your pennies because uh, things are about to get weird. I think. Yeah, and it's one of the like, you know, the the economy is so obviously, you know, it's already affecting some professions, you know, but it's also one of those things too where I think it's just. Um, I always, I always, whenever I hear kind of these economic stories, it really kind of makes me think about my relationship with like worry, you know, mm. and it, like the relationship between like being proactive and cautious to being consumed to, 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 you know, honestly, catastrophizing, yeah. right? right? To being consumed with the worst case scenario in a way that goes beyond you know, self-protection mm-hmm. or, you know, or caution to, you know, totally consuming your ability to just enjoy your day-to-day life. Like, mm-hmm. because I think we've, we've, we've heard a lot of these stories, but it, and it doesn't, you know, as it pertains to the economy and, and I, and I'm not saying they're invalid or that we shouldn't be, you know, talk about them, but I think, you know, we don't, it's not just with economic stuff. Like sometimes, like the environment or or mm-hmm. climate change or something, where mm-hmm. I think, especially as like Christians, right? Like you know, the understanding that tension that often relies into being wise about the future and protecting yourself and your family mm-hmm. and, and and your you know personal kind of financial health or, or physical health or whatever it may be, to being consumed by you know, just thinking about avoiding the worst case scenario. It's just, it's an awkward line sometimes. I don't know if you guys struggle with that, but it's definitely something I've tried to reconcile with the older I get. Right. You're talking about the balance between the fear of everything falling apart and then also being cautious with your future. Yeah, like, it's exactly. Like that, that middle it's ground. It's a real tension. It, it, is, it is a tension. And I know that we skew, obviously skew younger because we're relevant, right? So we're standing with pop culture. But for everybody that's out there, this is not financial advice, but I'm going to tell you what's really worked well for me um, is I try to have six months saved up of an emergency fund. So if things go wrong, I'm able to pull from that. That that helps release some of that tension. And then also making sure that I'm constantly beyond that putting money away because we never know Mm. what's going to happen. I've had at least three friends hit me up and say they've lost their jobs because they were in tech. And then now, you know, tech is starting to downsize because growth isn't happening. And, um, you know, it's, it's really important. I think there's a, there's a balance, right? We don't want to be afraid of the future, but at the same time, we want to be wise with our money. We don't want to take all of our money and just blow it on, on foolishness because anything can happen. So, and, and yeah. what's happening is, I mean, it's cyclical. The economy is cyclical, and when yep. uh, when bubbles happen and th- prices get inflated or stock prices get to all time highs and all time highs and all time highs and all time highs and all time highs, guess what? Yep. Yep. The market's yep. going to correct itself. And I think the people who like rode the wave during COVID and thought the good times would never end are, you know, crypto and all that stuff. I think obviously they're getting caught. <laughs> by surprise. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of us saw that bubble being created and just knew that things would kind of self-correct eventually. You know what I mean? Like you, you, housing prices can't go up 40% a year, year after year after year right? and be unaffordable for anybody to buy a house without the market correcting itself. You know what I mean? So right. yeah. what's good is whenever this happens is like, so 
Jesse, he and I have been friends a long time. He's more prone to worry. I'm more prone to Enneagram 7, if you know how they handle trauma and stuff. I ignore painful things and focus on fun, good future things, right? I'm like, I I like don't deal with what of we're course. actually going through. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like Jesse's worried about the unknown and I'm like, who cares? Because good things could happen. You know what I mean? So it's like we balance each other out. But for me, the good thing about the market correcting itself is prices will come down and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, like it'll, the kind of normalcy will get restored. But if you look historically after every major recession, the housing crash in 2009, et cetera, innovation happened you know like mm-hmm, people who mm-hmm. lost their job in one sector went and launched companies over here that changed everything mm-hmm. you know like they they got mm-hmm. forced out of life as usual and that's where innovation and change can happen and that mm-hmm. to me is exciting so it, yes we need to be wise be cautious whatever but also mm-hmm. if unexpected things happen to your career or your circumstances Look at that as an opportunity, like saying like, okay, Mm -hmm. God, what do you want to use me to do for the next 10 years? And like, maybe that pivot will change the rest of your life. And that's an opportunity for good. So anyway, I listened to a really interesting interview this past week. It was Chuck Klosterman, the, you know, kind of culture writer and kind of, you know, culture thought leader and uh, the Atlantic writer, uh, Derek Thompson, who has a podcast called Plain English. But basically, the, the, the premise of the interview is, is culture getting more negative? Like, it just feels, feels like mm. humanity is getting more negative. And they were wrestling with this idea of um, everything in my life is fine, but it seems like everything actually in the world sucks mm. and is hard. And people can say, well, how's the economy? And it's like, well, the economy's terrible. Well, how are your personal finances? Well, I'm fine. You know, or, hey, what do you think of the president? Oh, the president is terrible. Well, how does it affect your life? Well, well, nothing negative in my life. Or it, it could be any of these <laughs> plug and play issues where, you know, it really like it was a fascinating conversation. They really kind of kind of got a little Gladwellian and sort of their mm-hmm. understanding of, of why human psychology has a propensity to jump on the negative, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, collectively focus on the positive like there's a lot of cultural factors that play into it mm. but it was a really interesting reminder of like hey just because everyone is tacking one way and it just it just has to be the economy because i do i don't want to invalidate you know the the you know basic economic observations right that that are probably accurate but it's just collectively we have a propensity to really be obsessed with negative outcomes mm. so much to the fact that it distracts us from the reality of the positivity of our own lives sometimes. And that's the one caution that I would give to people is like, hey, be solution oriented. Like to, to Derek's point, be proactive, save some money away so you don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You know, like think about ways that, you know, um, you know, policies can be implemented that that can, you know, offer hope for something like climate change or peace or you know, the elimination of poverty and things like that, instead of just being so consumed by what could go wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Sammy, I'm interested yeah. to hear your take as a uh, woman, business owner, entrepreneur, like how, how, how is this season look for you? Well, I'm like the exact opposite than a lot of you guys is that like, I'm a very like strong personality person, but when money, when it comes to money, I tend to my default is to put my head in the sand and not think about it. Mm. So that works fine when you have a spouse who can do it all. But then you wake up one day and you're like, I actually should know what's going on with our finance. You know, like I don't want to be a woman Mm -hmm. who has no clue what's happening with their finances. And then when I started my own company, I too, I would let Aaron do it. And then I'll, 
when 2020 is when I had to go like, oh, I actually need to be in charge and I actually need to know what's going on. So the past two years have been super uncomfortable for me in having to learn about things and manage money in a way that I've never wanted to before. But I feel like I'm like a grown up now at 44, you know, trying to figure things out. But I also am like Jesse, I'm like a worrier. And so that's why I've always been like, I'll just put my head in the sand. I'll let Aaron take care of it because if I know too much, I'm going to start to worry. Uh, mm, so yeah. it's been an uncomfortable tension for me to step into of caring and thinking about planning for the future and taking care of finances in the present. So it's these conversations make me super uncomfortable. I don't like talking about money. It, it makes my, <laughs> my armpits start sweating. I get uncomfortable. I don't like it, but I've had to. So it's been weird for me the last couple of years. I okay, I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't want to bring up all the sweat that we're seeing all over your shirt. I thought you were working it's out. It's literally oozing out right now. We see like Just, there's like a, a waterfall no, of sweat. I'm not sweating talking about of... y'all's money. <laughs> her, ha her hat has that sweat band. Jamie, pro tip. I'll tell you what it takes because I'm the same way. It stresses me out. I start pacing around like, I, this is overwhelming. I find if you say doll hairs instead of dollars, it offers a little playful <laughs> twist. Like, How many doll uh, hairs listen, do we make? <laughs> we owe the, you know, because the transmission went out, we owe the mechanic 700 doll hairs. Yep. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's funny. no big deal. Exactly. No, but seriously, seriously, yeah, seven hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think mine comes when Aaron and I were first married. We we made like I think our first year like collectively together like seventeen thousand dollars. Like we just didn't. We never had mm. a lot of money when we were for our first couple of ten years of marriage, mm -hmm. and so I just didn't want to know. I was like, if I just don't know, then I don't have to think about it. And up until we've been married twenty one years, up until the last like five years, I was like, I don't even want. I didn't even know how much salary he made. Because I was like, mm. I don't even want to know. And I just, I don't think that's good or right. And I've mm. come a long ways, but that's where I always came at money. It just made me uncomfortable. Have you talked to your counselor about this? Like <laughs> I'm doing it right now, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting open and vulnerable with my, with a few friends, nobody uh -huh. else. Just you, need to get, you need to have a serious conversation with Aaron and be like, Aaron, I need to know exactly how many doll hairs you How many doll out. hairs do you make? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you have, Jamie? All right. We're going into new year for show of 2023. And so a little bit of look back a little bit is sales of virtual reality headsets in the U S declined 2% uh, last year. So, Metaverse, the VR headsets, the sales shrank in 2022. Do any of y'all have a VR headset? My son does for gaming. Your son does for gaming. It makes me, it makes no, me no. sick. Like I, I get motion sickness. Nauseous. Okay. Jesse, do you have mm -hmm. one? No, because the fear of looking ridiculous in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> but you're all alone. No one wants, no one. Yeah. That's what you think. But you got, <laughs> you can't see that you're in there with those little wands Right. Or the uh -huh. little controllers in your hands and, and the mask on your, and you're like feeling your, it looks like you're like swimming in jello in your own living room, kind of moving awkwardly. And you're like, oh, I'm in my house alone, just exploring this weird netherworld <laughs> on, uh, on Mark Zuckerberg's, you know, metaverse. Little do you know, there's people standing in the doorway just laughing at <laughs> yep, you. Yep. You know? What's interesting about the, that it declined last year is like, think about going into last year. He was betting was, the future of Facebook yeah. and Meta on the explosion of VR. And not only did it not happen at all, it went backwards. It that declined. is insane. Yeah. 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 Which, you wow. know, we're talking about like things. A lot of doll hairs. A lot uh -huh. of doll hairs. <laughs> did you see his personal wealth dropped 70% last year? It went from 120 billion to 40 billion. And, and that's because. Oh all, my God. It's because Meta stock dropped 70% because. VR his his leveraging everything on yeah. VR did not pan out, and so like Meta's hey, hey, crumbled. Hey, I'm not gonna cry for someone 
losing 70% of their wealth and they still have $40 billion. Like, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it said yeah. that, like, in 2021, VR had an amazing holiday year. Like, they, it was just like, we're up and up and here they go. And so Zuckerberg was putting all in that. And so many other... Uh, so many people bought it on the early hype and the promises that it would change your life. And then they're like, okay. And they kind of played a game and they get it. And then they put it in the corner and never used it and again. Then, and yeah. like, nobody's going to buy another one. I mean, that's it. We tried it. It was stupid. Move on. You know, right. Jamie, are you, are you, what are your personal thoughts on VR? I've always been like <laughs> super against it. Cause it made me nervous. Like, uh, because it, to me, it was just like, Oh, you can like enter into this whole new world. I think it was a black mirror episode one time that really got in my head and freaked me out mm. about it with this relationship that this person had. And mm. so I've always been super against it. And then I went to a conference this fall and believe it or not, this is the, I, I was just like blown away. Someone was talking about how VR, someone in China was using a VR headset to to join a like small group for a church, but this person like couldn't say where they were. And so it was like the gospel was somehow being used by it. So it kind of made me go like, okay, what is the re what is the future here with this? And how's it going to go? Because I do think like there is some to this, like the future is moving this way. I don't want to be the old lady. That's like, I don't like this. This is bad. And then, you know, not care about the future with things that are happening. I don't own one. I don't have one. We don't have any in our house. I'll admit they still kind of make me nervous. I don't know why except for that Black Mirror episode really got to I, me. I wonder if, because uh, I look at, I look at, you know, our time spent on social media, our time spent watching television and media. I feel like we're already in the metaverse. Like, like TikTok, all of that, that's metaverse. You're just, you just don't have VR goggles. I don't think you need VR goggles to be a consumer of the metaverse because the metaverse is just literally you know, being inside of a, a virtual world, like everything on TikTok, all of that, it's all But it's I all went virtual. to a business conference this fall as well, and they were talking about how so many companies will be using it for like meetings. And I didn't understand it, but you're like a person and you go around. It's so and stupid. That, that's the point I want yeah. to make is, is like the value proposition. Like if it's for gaming or you want to watch Avatar or whatever, cool. Like, sure. you know, fight Darth Vader. All right, cool. The, you know, the value proposition was going to change the way we do business. Right. Could you imagine it's being ridiculous. a manager working remote? And it's like, hey, Phil, we need to see you. Come on into the virtual meeting. And like Phil walks in and that goofy uh, little, just you imagine having to discipline and, yeah. someone who's a disembodied avatar head with some goofy Hawaiian shirt on in a virtual meeting room? It's like, Phil, take a seat. You took your shirt off and swung <laughs> it over your head at the Christmas party and we're we're responsible for numerous HR violations. We're going to need you to clean out your desk. And he's like a, he's like some sort of avatar head. Like, can you imagine just how awkward that would be yeah. to discipline? So With like Guy Ferrari but, spiked hair on his avatar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please turn in your badge. And they're like, I just got a visual. Here's, here's my prediction for where this is going to go. I think okay. Zuckerberg is wrong and Apple is going to be right because the Apple headset is probably coming out later in 2023 is the rumor uh -huh. it's supposed to be late 2022 and what it's going to be is mixed reality and not virtual mm -hmm. reality so it's mm -hmm. more on the augmented reality side of things and so mm -hmm. to me you talked about the value proposition what to, does that mean cameron so it'll be mixed a, a mixture of your physical for your, what you can see physically with a digital okay. overlay 
So they Got say, it. for example, the commercial, you talk about the value proposition and the commercial setting I have on glasses look like normal glasses. I walk into a store and I can see promotions and sales and prices because they know me and they're, everything is tailored so to me. Weird. I'm driving and I see, you know, billboards and I see things on the physical universe that are digitally overlaid for me. That is me. the last so thing we weird. <laughs> Hey, look, Cameron, people can't drive and we don't even got that, bro. Right. I, last thing I need right. Advertisers right. would love this, though. A, a Quiznos that's the thing. to pop up <laughs> while I'm right. driving down the street yep. on my right. Tesla. <laughs> so that, but that's 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 where the the value proposition will come in is that people will be able to make money on it. Now here's the scary part. So let's think about you know like oh that sounds awesome. I get deals and you know they know I love Nike and so Nike you know shows me you're gonna love right. these dunks and here's a good price for it. But what if you're a customer that that brand doesn't want and they discriminate? Mm. And you walk into mm. that store and they show higher prices because you're not a customer that they want in there. And so all of a sudden there's a slippery slope of, you know, that AI could actually be biased against, you know, certain people groups and things like that. And that's that's dangerous. But dog, please don't tell me racism go make it into the, the VR, bro. The please, metaverse. Dog, dog. Yeah. The last thing I need to know is that I'm going to get in VR and it's going to be like, case in here. I mean, that that's kind <laughs> of what the slippery slope is. But, oh, but, but, I, but not, what, what? Not the antebellum Southern uh, <laughs> lady <laughs> telling me I can't sit next to her in the NBA 2K lobby. But think about this. Like, I think what, what Zuckerberg's tried to do with VR is like early like Blackberry but when Apple comes out with their mixed reality headset it's going to be iPhone and all of a sudden it's going to make sense to everybody and it'll go mass and and VR will be left behind is my my gut is that VR so is stupid so you think VR is out you think VR is out that's not that's not the path we'll see how this episode ages two years from now but my gut uh -huh. is VR is going to not be usable because the value proposition is ridiculous other than gaming. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a gaming experience and nothing yeah. more. And then I think mm -hmm. mixed reality will be our everyday life, change how we live and communicate and, and have entertainment, social media. Dang. I think, I think mixed reality is going to be the direction of the future. So I, I, I'm becoming more and more analog. Well, everything, every, every new development, I, it's like, I, you know, like a pet peeve of mine is like SUVs that have a trunk where you have to press a button for the trunk to close. You know, how hard is it? Let me just slam it down. And every time I go and I'm with like a friend who has one, they're like, dude, you're going to burn up the motor. I'm like, why does your trunk have its own motor? Like, hey, hey, can I just whoa, slam whoa, that thing? Whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Derek, I'm with Derek. I'm with Derek. I just, hold up now. I just got to, for those of you that don't know and don't follow me on Instagram, I just got a Tesla Model Y. Jesse, if no. you analog close my Model Y, bro, we fighting. I'm going <laughs> to... I got arms. I got arms. I can close it. I don't need to figure out... How, push what, the button, Jesse. Push no, the button. No, it's too much. It's too much. Too much, you know, technology on on things that have could easily function with, with an analog understanding of how it works. That's... Okay. Sorry. To your point... I, uh, push the button, Jesse. Jesse, I think, like, not the trunk scenario that you gave us, but the, the desire for analog is an undercurrent happening. Obviously, we know about vinyl, and that's the primary mm -hmm. uh, revenue generator of physical music sales is vinyl, and da-da-da-da-da. And me and my son have a huge vinyl collection, and we love vinyl. But 
the, the Barnes and Noble just announced that next year they're opening 38 new stores. Barnes and Noble is expanding. Wow. Local wow. bookstores, local bookstores have announced record profits of the last three years. And it's like people are going back to the physical. People are going back to mm-hmm. holding a book in their hands. They're going back to the local shop where they have recommendations. And it's not just mass curation from Amazon, but it's personal. Personal people want the tangible, just like Jesse's saying. And I think. You're going to see a divide in culture between the analog and the embracing of like mixed reality and and going all in and what tech can do for us. But then also like, I need the tangible. I need relationship. I need community. I need analog. Well, think so. about it. Like all these kids, like, do y'all remember the feeling of going to buy like an actual album that you love? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, it's nothing like that. It, there's nothing comparable nothing. to that. Like just going in and just being like, oh, I'll download that. I'll download that. Like that. There's nothing like that. I think that's why Taylor Swift broke all those records mm. is because she has all all of these analog experiences, mm-hmm. but I'm even like, I've been studying a lot of like social media marketing and what's happening is people are like the whole idea of the viral moment and all of that. Obviously people will go viral, but what marketers are saying now is it's about building actual community with your base. Mm-hmm. Like not mm-hmm. just people are over a look, they're getting over the shallow swipe up, swipe up, swipe up just to swipe up. Yeah, they do that for entertainment. But if you actually want to impact people, it's about building community, which would make sense because we've been starved for community, mm-hmm. a lot of us, mm-hmm. since the pandemic started. So mm-hmm. the idea of, yeah, going out to Barnes and Noble, reading a book, starting a book club at the local bookstore or mm-hmm. starting a book, like it makes all the sense in the world to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I just want you guys to know, I'm going to say it here. This is the first episode of 2023. My my biggest dream in life, literally, is to own an independent bookstore. That is my that is that is on my list. And I said I'm gonna start thinking Let's about it, it seriously when my last two kids go to college. So Let's they graduate in twenty twenty four. So I'm ready. What are we what are we, what what's the name of it? Uh Parable. Oh, that's dope. Parable was a Christian retail chain. Oh, it was? This is not a Christian bookstore. It is a Christian bookstore. Oh, it was. It was. It went out of business. It was like Parable was a national chain. It was like Family, Lifeway, Parable, and Mardell. So you might want to rethink that. Uh-huh. I'm not set on. I haven't done anything. I might want to rethink the name. But shout out to my favorite local bookstore, Waco, Texas, uh, Fabled. But I, that's my dream in life. I want to own a bookstore. There you go. A bookstore slash wine bar. Just put an yes. S on it. Parables. Put, a, put an S Parabola. on it. Parabola. Parabola. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. <laughs> Stay tuned up next. Derwin Gray joins us. to always or always it's vv i don't know if it's always or always just it's german the song is after the earthquake well relevant has a lot happening this year and we don't want you to miss a thing make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com and we'll send you our top five trending stories into your inbox every weekday we'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes some uh, fan extras and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to 
keep in touch with everything we got going on. Our guest today is Dr. Derwin Gray. He's a pastor, author, and friend of the show. Um, we've talked to him a couple, many times over the years, but in this conversation, we want to discuss how the church can be reunited after years of divisiveness. I mean, listen, we're in 2023 now. We are moving uh, forward, right? We had a couple rough years in the recent past, but 2023, fresh start, let's move forward. How can the church uh, be reunited and, and why it's important to reach across the aisle for reconciliation, even if no one else is? Here's our conversation with Dr. Derwin Gray. What in your experience, in your research, in your writing, is maybe a, a way that you have seen younger Christians who do care about racism, maybe still going a little bit awry in how they address it. What are some of the misconceptions or or maybe even well-intentioned flaws yeah. in their own level of organization, justice, concern about this issue? Yeah, great question. Uh, first of all, before I get to, to that, I want to look at the positive. I would say the positive is this. Uh, young believers have, for the most part, multicultural friends, and they know pe- people who are different. And and they have this intuition that there's a better way to be a Christian that is more loving, that is more insightful, that is that is that is more Jesus-y, right? So I do see that, and I'm so, so hopeful. The negative that I see is instead of thinking that the Bible and Jesus has an answer, they go to sociological things. Now, sociology has its place, but the theology is the queen of all sciences. I want to see people, young people, be able to do what I just did in communicating a theological case with cultural awareness to how we can be the people of God. Uh, What I've seen, this is what I've learned. When I preach and teach to white audiences, and our church is probably 55 to 58% white, my exegesis and hermeneutics of scripture has to be phenomenal. Because a lot of white people are skeptical to these types of conversation if it's not located in the sacred scripture. And so my exegesis of the text, my understanding of the gospel and historical theology with culture builds trust. Like I don't use buzzwords like white privilege. I, I don't I don't I don't use those words because they're unhelpful. So I use theological tools to get people into the story of God so they can begin to see with God's kind of eyes. And so I want to encourage young believers who have this heart is Jesus has something to say about it. I want to highlight what he said. I want to highlight what the early church did. We have an ancient and beautiful faith that from the beginning was a multi-ethnic faith. Let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts. Okay, so he he said, go to the Jews, go to the Samaritans. Those are that's enemies. It wasn't until Acts chapter eight, verse one, that the Jewish believers went. 
And Philip went to Samaria and was leading people to the Lord. And then he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Before the gospel went to Europe, it went to Ethiopia. An Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we have an ancient and beautiful faith. Can you imagine Philip, this Hellenistic Jew, hanging out with Samaritans? Like, man, what is this Jew doing here with us? (laughs) He's breaking down barriers. He's proclaiming the gospel. And so I want the young people to know, like, I'm all for cool and hip. But understand this. When I'm I'm just going to preach just a little bit to Tyler now, and then I promise I'll be done. Cool and hip Christianity does not help when you're laying in bed with cancer. Cool and hip Christianity does not work when your marriage is hanging on by dental floss. We have something that's eternal and ancient and beautiful and true and powerful and God wants you to experience it. The, uh, I'm sure you've experienced this. We hear about it all the time. Younger Christians who care deeply about racism and they feel like their church was dumped. They have tried to get their church leadership, older believers, other Christians on board to march with them in the streets, to sign up in local communities. And and they just, not only are they ignored, they're oftentimes ostracized. They're told this is not, we don't deal with that. And now they feel like, well, maybe the church just isn't a place for me or for this conversation. What do you, what do you say to these people? Uh, What I want to say is this, is I want to say precious ones. Um, Jesus's bride is still his bride and some elements of the bride is sick and weak and distorted. Please don't leave his bride. Um, Go find a place where you can fit. And um, this is what I do know. One of the reasons why there are so many people talking about racial justice now is because the young people did hit the streets. And then pastors started to take notice. Uh, when I when I marched in a Black Lives Matter protest, listen, I don't endorse Black Lives Matter, the organization. But what I want to know is why wasn't the church the one leading the charge? Why did a secular organization have to lead the charge? Where were we? So I was marching, not in honor of the organization, but because Black Lives do matter. Now, do all lives matter? Yes, of course. But in this country, black lives have not been treated like they have mattered. In the deep South, they call it strange fruit because back in the day, black people were hanging from trees. So let's don't act like black lives have always mattered. For the 400 years of this country, it's only been since 1954 that there was some measure of equality in the law book. So let's be honest historically. So I marched in it. And one of the things that I saw, Taylor, was this. I saw white people. There were more whites than blacks. I saw white people. I saw black people. I saw young people, old people, Asian people, Latino people. And I I thought, number one, this looks like Transformation Church. I thought, number two, why does a Black Lives Matter protest have more ethnic diversity than the church? So I want to encourage you, don't 
jettison Jesus's church. Continue to learn. Hey, listen, I'll help help you. Send me an email. I'll help you find a church where, where you are. Become a part of our church online. We're doing microsites. We want to see Jesus glorified, but don't allow people to distract you from the person of Jesus Christ. And we need you. Like you guys matter. Like those of you in your 20s and thir- like you matter. God wants to do a work in you. And as an older, bigger br- br- brother in Christ, I want to help you. And so I hope that my book can be a means of of helping you discover your faith afresh. Uh, I've often heard it said that bad religion could does way more harm than an atheist ever could. That was Dr. Derwin Gray. Stay tuned. Up next, it's the game that I told you is an audio extravaganza. Don't miss it. to Kuko. The song is First of the Year. It's a little more downbeat than I usually play in the breaks, but come on, it's called First of the Year. This is our first show of the year. I had to shoehorn it in there, you know. All right, it's time for the audio extravaganza, otherwise known as One Second Rewind. We're going to do something a little different. So 2013, 10 years ago now, was a good year for music. And we want to test y'all's knowledge of 2013 hits. What we're going to do is we're calling it the One Second Rewind. That's the name of this game is the One Second Rewind. What we're going to do is play one second of one of the Billboard Top 100 hits from 2013. And then you will have to identify the song. And we're going to do several rounds. All right. Does that make sense? You're going to hear one second and then see if you can guess what the song is. Now, these are not obscure. These are Billboard top 30. These are all very big songs. Okay. So, but 2013 and it's going to just one one second. second, Yeah. One second to see if you can get it. All right. Here we go. All right. We got four rounds. Okay. Jesse, you're up first. See if you can guess the song by this one clip. Here we go. Drank, pull up, drank, Kendrick, swimming pool. Oh my gosh. Why why you ain't give it to me so I could get the points? Uh, All right. (laughs) There we go. Yes, it's swimming pool. It's swimming pools, Kendrick Lamar, right? That's right. Michael, Michael Bolton record is what I'm gonna There you go. All right, Jamie, you're up. Here you go. Oh, okay. Shine bright like a diamond. Um shine bright like a no, Derek, that's not it. That is it, right? Shine bright like a diamond. Who's it? Who did this? Do I get a clue? You don't know who sang. Oh, I'm terrible that song? with music. I'm just terrible with music. I, I mean, shine bright like a diamond. Garrett, give me one clue. The first letter of their name. I can't do it. I won't take the Cause, point because I'm trying to beat you. <laughs> All right, play the clip, Jason.
You're right that it's called Diamonds. The artist is obviously Rihanna. Isn't she playing at the Super Bowl this year? I feel like we give it to her. I feel like we give it yes. to her. We give her half a name. point. Don't give it to half me. I don't, I don't deserve it. Half a point. I don't deserve it because no, I'm she got, really, really, really name. bad at this game. You got you know <laughs> half a point. Half a point because you got right? the you do. You do know that. Jamie, you should have just said shine bright like a diamond. It just moved on. Don't even, That's you what I even did. say you didn't know. But oh. you said she you did. She gets half a point. I think we give it to her. Half a point. It's called diamonds. She was right. Half a point. Done. Okay, it's Rihanna. All right. Derek, here's your clip. Started. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Drake, next. Yep. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the yep. bottom, now the whole team. Ooh, that's my joy. You believe that's 10 years ago? All right. Jesse, round two. Right now it's 1-1, one, one, and Jamie has half. All right, here we go. So round two, Jesse. Everybody's like... It's um, uh, Lord of Royals. I would have never got that. We don't care. Jesse and I saw her saw her perform this at Lollapalooza yeah. that year. All right, he got it. Jesse got two. I like that song. It was a great. It was a yeah good year for music. All right, Jamie, you're up. Here we go. Play it one more time. I know it. Derek, you know it. You play waking up. <laughs> oh, okay. Checking this out is out on the prison bars. <laughs> this is it, the apocalypse. Whoa. I'm waking up. I feel it in my bones. bones. Play it, Jason. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow. I do I like the song. Imagine Ready Dragons, right? Yeah. Radioactive. Imagine Dragons. Radioactive. Yep. Imagine Dragons. Radioactive. <laughs> Number three song of the year in 2013. I like that song. That was my joint. I used to love that joint. All right, Derek. Here's your clip. Let's get it. Uh uh. Do it again. Play it again. Kiss me. Yeah. Just me. All I heard was kiss me. Hey, look. Jason, can you play it one more time. Sorry. Kiss me through the phone by Soldier Boy. <laughs> go to the next play, one. play the whole clip. Play the whole clip. Kiss me hard before you go. Yeah, that was it's uh, summertime sadness name? by Lana Del Rey. I've never Lana heard that song in my entire life. Lana Del Rey, summertime listen, sadness. It's I, a great. Listen, so I like Lana. Top but ten. I'm not a. I'm, I wasn't like. Lana fan. We're already running late on this spot. I could drop. I dropped some some Lana Del Rey knowledge on Cameron. Blew his mind the other week. See, do I do it? Say it. Tell. Yeah. Okay. So Lana Del Rey just put out a new album, and she put up one Billboard, and it's in the the city of Tulsa, where Cameron and I went to college, and it's because her ex boyfriend lives in Tulsa, and it's sort of like the Taylor Swift like stick it to the exes uh-huh. type of situation. Sheesh. And I was by the way, curious. The album's having, not out yet. It's pre promotion. It's coming out in February, by the way. Okay. Just FYI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So her upcoming album, I should say. Uh, yeah. But either way, I um, I was curious, having been a former resident of Tulsa, not a whole lot of celebrities kicking around town, and so I was thinking, okay, this person dated Lana Del Rey. I, I don't know if anyone watched Live PD, the defunct, and I guess it's back on a channel called Reels now. And I was really into the show where people, where police officers live commentate, like you know, traffic stops and stuff. Uh-huh. 
and one of the three guys, it, I don't know if you guys watch NFL Red Zone, but it's that kind of vibe going. They got the dual box, the octo box uh-huh. for everything. You know, you're, you're jumping in. One of the guys back at the studio, they're all former officers. The guy Sticks, that's what he goes by. His nickname, his his name out on the street is Sticks. He was one of the main uh, uh, cops on the show. That was Lana Del Rey's ex-boyfriend, Sticks from Live PD. And that's who she's targeting with the new album. It's just by Why? default, my all-time favorite how, celebrity couple. How does Sticks from Live PD in Tulsa meet Lana Del Rey, who lives in LA? That makes no sense. Probably a fan. Probably a fan. Wow. Well, there you go. All right. Two rounds in. Jesse's got two. Jamie has half of a point and Derek has one. Here we go. Round three. Jesse, here's your clip. Uh, that would be um, um, uh, Robin Thicke and Pharrell's. Um, what's the name of the song? Um, it's a it's a terrible song. Marvin um, Gaye, Don't Sue Me. That's the name of it. Yeah, but it's... Um, <laughs> hold on, don't tell me. Um, I don't want the half point. It's... Um, I already wrote down a half point. <laughs> no, it, I know the song title. It's it's something... It's terrible. Like, the implications of the song is terrible. Blurred Lines. Yes, you got it! Marvin Gaye, Don't Sue Me. That's All what right. we calling it. Jamie, here's your All clip. Right, my turn again. Let's see how bad this is. I have no idea. Do it again. That was Do like half the songs of the year. It sounds like hey, that, a, that a dance a club. That's like 13,000 songs that had that. Do it again. Just one more time, Jason. You have no I, idea? I, I couldn't even. I don't even have. I've play never the, even play heard the whole that thing. before. <laughs> Harlem Shake. That's a viral moment right there. I just want Cameron to keep dancing. That was a viral moment. That's right. Sure. The Harlem Shake videos. They all did like crazy mm-hmm. costumes and junk. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Derek. I I'm, I I have I have. I know nothing. this actually. Hit it. Hit it, Jamie. The Lumineers. Yep. yep. Hey ho. I ho, knew hey. one. Oh my ho, gosh. So show me family all the blood that I will bleed. I love that song. Never, I never, I have, I have never heard that song in my entire life. They're from like the Mumford and Sons coaching tree. Yeah, the Lumineers. We saw them at Lala too. They're like J, JV Mumford and Sons. That's what I call the all Lumineers. All right, Jesse. Final round. Here we go. Speaking of which, the Mumford and Sons. I will wait for you. And I will. Jesse just no. did like the Steph Curry three yeah. where he like turned around yes. and walked the other way before it even exactly. went in. Didn't even look. Yeah, he just threw the ball walked behind off. his head. It was crazy. <laughs> it's almost like I worked at a music magazine for this idol life. It's almost like we saw all of these bands live that year. Yeah, and and, and professionally had to research them for Yeah, interviews. in 2013, I was like knee deep in babies. So there's my my excuse. Oh, by the way, Knee Deep in Babies was a great band from that. That I think, Cameron, <laughs> did we see Knee Deep in Babies on the Knee Deep in Babies the, open uh, for Mumford that year? Yeah, Knee Deep in uh-huh. Babies. Yeah. yeah, that would be the most player name for R and B artist. That is <laughs> <laughs> like, what is Nick this? Nick Cannon presents the Knee Deep in Babies tour. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, here's Jamie's clip. I mean, I remember this because they had the like dance and stuff, yeah. but like mm-hmm. I have no idea what it is, but I, I've heard that Open before. Gangnam Style. Okay. Gangnam Style. 
Psy, man. At the time, the biggest mm-hmm. music video of all time. Yeah. The first YouTube yeah. video to cross a billion views. Uh, wow. Global sensation, Psy gang- Gangnam Style. All right, last one of round four. Here we go. Derek's clip. What? 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 Mm-mm. Is that a no, Derek? I don't got it. I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. I was listening to Kendrick. Awesome. I was listening to Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Final score: Jesse four, Jamie half, and Derek one. One and a half. Congratulations, by the way. One Jesse. And a half. Cameron, no, I you one just and stole half. his. You, you stole no, his. I got the then Lumineers. I, you, Oh, that was no, his. but that wasn't I your turn. That was, that was Derek's. That, no, no, you, you didn't. didn't get one. You didn't. You got get Derek's one. turn. You got mine. Dang it! Dang it! Okay. You <laughs> knew if, one if and a half. If that's the case, then I would have. I would. I would have three. Kendrick. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I'll yeah. Take exactly. A half. All right. That'll do it for one second. I like that. That was fun. That was a fun game. That was fun. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to uh, thank Dr. Derwin Gray for joining us. Make sure to check out his current book. It's called How to Heal Our Racial Divide. It's excellent. You can actually get a free chapter if you go to his website, derwinlgray.com. Also, head over to relevantmagazine.com every day. Every day. We're publishing a ton of stuff at the intersection of faith, life, culture, justice. Great stuff. Uh, if you're on social media, make sure to follow us on all the channels, posting regularly. If you aren't as prone to social media or you aren't, your algorithm doesn't show you our stuff on social media, you can sign up for our daily newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com. It just sends our top five trending stories to your inbox every weekday morning. You should do it. Keep in touch. Um, I, I mentioned this at the end of our best of show, our last episode. If you, if you didn't hear that best of 2022, you really should. I mean, it was just like, it was something putting that together, like all the highlights of what happened last year. But at the end of the show, I teed up stuff that's coming. Stuff that we've been working on. Team and I are excited about. I cannot wait for you to see. I'm not going to repeat it. This this plug is for you to go listen to the end of that episode if you didn't, because I kind of spilled the beans on uh, some things that are emotion, some new stuff from Relevant, some exciting stuff from Relevant. Um, yeah, so go check out our Best of 2022 show if you haven't listened to it yet. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next week. Hey, everybody, we are moving our episode release dates to Tuesday and Friday. So we will see you next, well, Friday in a few days. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. The sugar crash is really devastating my insulin levels. Relevant Podcast Network.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.